Hello again, everyone. Tom Oglesby in the studio with Colleen Posnick. It's just you and me. I know. We're missing our third leg. Mark yeah. Mark isn't here tonight. He's out chasing garlic trucks trying to get ready for a spaghetti dinner here. Is that so. what it is? In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Remember, O most, o most gracious, gracious Virgin, Virgin Mary, Mary that, that never, never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, protection implored thy help, or sought thy intercession, was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O Virgin of virgins, my mother. To thee I come, before thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy, hear and answer me. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, here we are on Monday, the 17th. Who's our saint again? Mary Alacoque? Well, in the traditional calendar, it was St. Mary, Margaret Mary Alacoque. Um, Of course, our listeners will recognize that name as being the saint that Jesus talked to her about his sacred heart. Mm -hmm. She started devotion to the sacred heart. She died in 1690. It's a long time ago. Yeah. She's been dead a long time. Yes. And then on the new calendar, it's St. Ignatius of Antioch, who's been dead even longer. He died in 107. One of the fathers of the church, first century, second century. Mm-hmm. century. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what a great day. Those are two good, good saints for today. I had a question, why do we talk about the saints and, and all of that? But isn't that an important aspect of Catholic culture here. Oh my goodness. I think it's really a Catholic thing to talk about the communion of saints. All our friends that have gone before us. Well, we have the church triumphant in heaven. Those are the saints. The church militant here, us on earth. And then the church suffering are the souls in purgatory. And of course, that's a good time to talk about purgatory is right before November hits. Well, here we are. So this will air on the 24th coming up. 22nd and 23rd this weekend, and right ahead of the two big days, Mm. All Saints and All Souls Day. Mm -hmm. We were talking about indulgences and purgatory. I know this is something dear to your heart. My family, too. Uh, And my father, who is the patriarch of his family, you know, dad's the oldest of 13, and, and many have already passed. Wow. Uh, He's got one two sisters left and a, and a brother left but oftentimes there he is doing the spiritual work of mercy the corporal work of mercy bearing the dead he has more friends on the other side than on this side we hope they're on the other side there so yeah it is a great feast i do love this feast and we talked about this briefly last week where you can get indulgences for our poor friends yeah. in purgatory the first eight days of November. And I pulled up what a, what a uh, indul- I'm away from the microphone here. What's the indulgence? Where did that go? I just had it up here, Colleen. So I was trying to get the definition, the clinical definition of the indulgence. What do you got there? As well, I come back here, I'm back. Yeah. So an indulgence <clears throat> is a remission of punishment due for sins already forgiven. So people sin, obviously. They go to confession, they confess it, it's forgiven. But there's still a punishment that needs to happen. And I've heard it explained, I thought this was a good explanation. It's kind of like if you pound a nail into a fence, um, a picket fence, and you pull the nail out, there's still a hole there. 
So there's still... No, I've s- never heard that one before. There's still some reparation that needs to be made. I heard the broken window deal. Okay, same idea. The idea is you, you can be sorry, but there's still something that needs to be repaired. It used to be that the Protestants, the Protestant Christians didn't quite get the uh, purgatory, but not so much just limited to the Protestants. A lot of Catholics don't understand the doctrine. In other words, it, it's it's a teaching of the church. It's, it's, it is, it's but it is in the Bible. Yeah. It is in the Bible. And I'll just have to tell this little story. We used to live in Raleigh, North Carolina, not many Catholics down there. And I was newly back to the faith, and so I signed up for this very popular Bible study called BSF, for Bible Study Fellowship. And it was huge. Yeah. They had about five groups that met during the week, and each one had 500 people in it. Wow. I mean, it was, you know, the Bible Belt. Um, But they wanted it to be interdenominational. And so if a Southern Baptist signed up to join this Bible study, they might be on the waiting list for three years because they had a lot of Southern Baptists in there. But if a Catholic signed up, and I got in right away. You got to the front? I got to the front of the line. So, you know, I grew up in Dubuque, and I only knew Catholics. I didn't know a lot of differences between Catholics, the Catholic faith, and the different Protestant faiths. So we were reading the book of Matthew, and we were in our small group time, and the question was about Matthew, the passage in Matthew where it says, you know, the guy won't be let out of prison until he pays the last penny. Mm-hmm. And people are going around saying, you know, what they got out of that out of that passage. And I'm thinking to myself, how come nobody's saying purgatory? Because I think that sounds a lot like purgatory. You don't get out until you've paid the last penny. So I wait till everybody has spoken. And so I say, well, I don't know. I think that sounds like purgatory. And you got some blank looks or hostile? I got or some, both. the eye, the hairy eyeball from everybody in that group. And I thought, okay, I guess they don't believe in purgatory. I had no idea. Mm-hmm. But it is in the Bible. Um, it's in Matthew. You don't get out till you pay the last penny. But it's in a couple other books. Maccabees. It's in Maccabees. And see, the Protestants don't have the book of Maccabees in their Bible. Ripped it out. Ripped it out. Mm-hmm. So that's why they don't have it. But it is in other places um, in the New Testament where they they should be able to find it. But Let, Let's just... Go deeper on that here, because I think even a lot of Catholics with the um, glossing over of confession in the last decades don't quite understand that it is important, it is a sacrament Mm -hmm. instituted by Christ to give grace, to have sins forgiven, but then there must be reparation for those forgiven sins. So Mm -hmm. there's, there's an A, a part A, and a and a part B mm-hmm. to that. Mm-hmm. First, first action is to get to get to confession. Get to confession. Get to confession. Sacramental confession is required for all all mortal sins. Mm-hmm. Yep. And and it's good for venial sins. And it's good for venial sins too. Right. Why? Why do you have do you have much? I got some thoughts, but. Yeah, well, I think it's good for venial sins for a couple of reasons. First of all, you know, if you pile up those venial sins, you're more likely to fall into a mortal sin. Mm-hmm. If you're kind of used to little sins, it's easier to commit a big sin. But I think it's also important for venial sins to confess venial sins because in the confessional, the priest can give you some pointers on how to avoid that going forward. Um, so those are going to be ones that you can try to really root out yourself. Um 
And then third, I think it's important to confess the venial sins, to go to confession, even if you only have venial sins on your soul, because that sacrament will confer grace. Not only will those souls be or sins be forgiven, but you will get grace in order to not sin going forward. And those venial sins often thought of to be vices. The grace helps nurture virtue, which mm-hmm. is the opposite of those vices. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'm seeing more more uh, confessions. Thankfully, more mm-hmm. confession offerings. Mm-hmm. Although there's still some parishes that say. 15 minutes on Saturday afternoon or by appointment. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, this is very important to yeah. have regular confession available. 15 minutes is just not enough time. I remember when Father Cruzy was at St. Columkill and they had confessions. I'm going to say from 3.15 to 3.45 before mm. the 4 o'clock Mass. And he used to say, I hope I don't die in the confessional on a Saturday afternoon because no one will find me. Yeah. Nobody comes. <laughs> Nobody's coming. Yeah. yeah. But so we want to so the whole idea of indulgences and and making reparation for sin. Yeah, God can forgive every sin and does forgive every sin if if you're truly sorry. But then there needs to be you need to kind of show you're sorry. Well, I think that excuse me, the the perfect sorrow has been made to be a magic pill. Do you know how difficult it is to have perfect contrition, perfect sorrow? Very very difficult. Well, even to get these plenary indulgences, you have to be free from attachment to sin. That's easy. I don't know many people <laughs> who are free from attachment to sin. Go go down the uh, requirements for indulgence and go deeper on attachment to sin here, because I think that is huge. Yeah, so um, the forgiveness of sins and restoring our union with God means, um, you know, temporal punishment remains... And we want to get rid of that. So we want to we want to make reparation for sin when we offer our sufferings to God. We say, you know, God, I'm going to offer this to you. I'm going to unite this to the suffering that you did on the cross um, to make reparation for some of the sins that I've committed in my life. So it's self-denial, mm-hmm. whether it be by fasting, which is why fasting is mm-hmm. important, or mm-hmm. almsgiving. Mm-hmm. I heard one person say, though, that, you know, it's kind of hard just to start off with self-denial. That's kind of a big one. So what this person said they did was they decided to never complain about the weather. And I thought, okay, say more. They said that helped them learn in little baby steps how to accept what God gives. And I thought, now that's interesting thought. That really aligns with the whole concept of uh, being in union with the divine will yes it does so if the lord decides to send a cloudy day which to me is a day matches my personality <laughs> I, I i i like that but that's interesting right that someone would uh, arrive at that well and it was an easy way this person said for them to start just accepting whatever came from god and just by starting with the weather. You know, if you're going to have an event and you're praying for a sunny day and it rains, okay, thank you, God, for the rain. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, I heard an interesting twist on that with respect to the complaints, whether it be the weather or my food was late at the restaurant or, or I'm stuck in traffic or, or whatever. But a priest made a very interesting connection, the connecting the dots, saying it's, it's really a source of pride. What makes you think 
God made the weather to please you today? Mm. What makes you think that you're ambling through the traffic jam through and it's pretty easy here in Dubuque because every road is under construction in oh, Dubuque. This has been horrible this summer. You can't get there from here. <laughs> and and what makes you think that your destination on time or whatever is mm-hmm. is so important? He's, you know, it's really a source of pride, and and pride being the is is it the mother of all sins? It is. It is. And uh, yeah, so that's a good way to look at it. And, and even to use the weather as an example, you might be praying for a sunny day for your picnic, but maybe there's twice as many farmers praying for rain for crops. Right. So anyway, so that was just one way to offer our sufferings um, to God and to make up for our past sins. Um, and I think that's, that's important to do that. It keeps us humble. It, keep, it reminds us our sins are forgiven. We don't need to you know, become scrupulous and and think that God isn't forgiving us. Our sins are forgiven, but, you know, we want to make reparation. We want to go the extra mile. And I think it's important to frame that conversation, isn't it? Who forgave the sins? Christ, Mm -hmm. God, the Trinity. But who was offended by the sin? And just because he forgave us Mm -hmm. doesn't mean that he doesn't need a hug of some sort. Well, and so I think of the souls that have died without making reparation for their sins. Um, and so one of the things that Catholics talk about is what they call, you know, we all hope to have what they call a provided for death. Mm. And we don't want an unprovided death. And I always thought, what the heck now does that, that, that mean? Needs, that we haven't heard that phrase in a while. So an unprovided death means you're not provided the sacraments. A provided death means you've been provided the sacraments, viaticum, which is what we call the Eucharist when someone is dying. For the journey. Food for the journey. Um, The anointing of the sick, confession, maybe even the apostolic pardon if you're near death. Maybe, maybe. If you're near death, you want to get that. So, um, you know, we we don't want to die with things still on our soul that have not yet been cleansed. Don't bury the headline on the apostolic pardon. Go deeper on that. That's that's a forgotten. In fact, I hope I hope that every priest that gives last rites, extreme unction, the sacrament of the sick is including that. I don't know that to be true, but I hope that it is. But go well, deeper on that. I don't know if they're even taught that in seminary and maybe they are. I was talking to some priests, and they were ordained in the mid-70s, and they were never even told about it. The apostolic pardon. The apostolic pardon. So they were told, of course, about anointing um, of the sick, but it was at least five years into their priesthood when they learned about the apostolic pardon. And so after that, they started doing it. So, you know, if priests aren't doing it, maybe it's because they were never told about it in the seminary. But the apostolic pardon is a very short, it's one sentence, and it basically is um, a special blessing that priests can give the lay people when they're you know, close to death, and it's total remission of purgatory time. Which total means the remission. temporal punishment due to sin, venial. Because Here's the other thing. I don't think people understand that there is temporal punishment associated with venial sins. Everything's got to be made up for Everything. Because I hear so many people, I don't go to confession. I haven't murdered any. I haven't killed anybody. Mm-hmm. That's As one if they that, say. that's the only sin that requires 
forgiveness and and reparation of, of temporal punishment. Not so. Not so. So you really want the apostolic pardon. It's that one sentence. It's not a long, drawn-out thing. It's one sentence forgiving all temporal punishment due to sin. So you get that apostolic pardon, you don't have to spend time in purgatory. And as Catholics, we don't think it's hocus-pocus or mumbo-jumbo or superstition. We say if Christ said it, if the church says it and teaches it, we believe it. Right. Right? We believe it. It is doctrine. So we have to just go on faith and say, okay, you said it, I'll believe it. So yeah. So this so, is your get-out-of-jail card? Get-out-of-purgatory, yep. But but the priest needs to give it to you. And um, and I know I've asked, as some of my family were dying, you be sure to give him the apostolic pardon. And uh, so they did. And, and maybe they would have done it on their own. I don't know. But for a while there, I thought about having it tattooed on my forehead. Give me the apostolic pardon. What happened to those cards we used to get in grade school? I am a Catholic. If I should die... Uh, Remember? Right here. Remember There's the one deal? on the back of this calendar. Is there I'm really? I'm a Catholic. Call a priest. Call a priest. That one there. I just saw him on the back of this calendar from Tan. I am a Catholic. In case of emergency, please call a priest. And then it's got name and all that stuff. But wouldn't that be great to start carrying those around again? I wonder. They must still make them somewhere. Somewhere they do. We should have, oh, yeah. uh, we who, should have some of those. Who's our uh, Google guy here? At, uh, Jerry? Jerry? Yeah, we should ask him. But anyway, so um, just to kind of uh, wrap up here as we're coming to the end of the segment, um, we can get these indulgences for the poor souls in purgatory that did not um, leave this life with a perfectly clean soul, and they are spending time in purgatory um, having some of their uh, sins burned off. We can help them by praying for them by visiting a cemetery each day between November 1st and November 8th. I think that's a beautiful thing. It sure is. And there's no limit to the number of people you can pray for. There's no limit. You can only get one plenary indulgence a day. Correct. But you can get lots of partial indulgences, and you can pray for every soul in that purgatory and let the Blessed Mother decide who it gets applied to. And if they get to heaven, they're going to be ever so, right? so thankful And you just here. made a friend in heaven, and they're going to be praying for you on the other side. This is episode 62. Colleen and I will be right back after this break. Hi again, everybody. You're back in the chatterbox. This is episode 62. We're recording on the feast of Margaret Mary Alacoque on Monday the 17th of October. Not to uh, forget St. Ignatius. Is it of Leola? Of Antioch. Antioch. You remember when people, well, I don't know, you you remember, because this was a really, really long time ago, like 100 years ago, people would name their children for the saints on the day they were born. So if someone was born today, a boy, maybe Maybe. someone would call him Ignatius. Exactly. If not first, maybe middle name. Mm Mm-hmm. So everyone look at the calendar on your birthday and see who you might have been named after if you were born 100 years ago. Well, it used to be that you needed to have a saint as your baptismal mm-hmm. name, right? Mm-hmm. At least your first name or your middle, yeah, your baptismal name couldn't be. And I, I remember, I think Can't was, call him Raisin Bread. Right? <laughs> I think it was Monsignor Wrestler when he was at Nativity. He put something in the bulletin about baptizing these kids, and he said they need to have a saint's name for a baptismal name. I don't want to baptize another Mercedes. 
because <laughs> that was a popular name at that time. Mm. She's got the Mercedes Benz. <laughs> one of the great lines the of all time. Yes. One of the great lines of all times. Lots of stuff going on in pro-life. None of it very good. Oh, and October is pro-life month, but boy, pro-lifers are taking a hit everywhere. It started back in September with that um, Pennsylvania pro-life Catholic activist who was arrested, um, and his name is Mark. I'm not sure how you pronounce the last name. I'm saying Huck. Huck. H O U C K. Over in Kentersville, Pennsylvania, co-founder of the and president of the King's Men. It's a Catholic ministry that aims to mentor Catholic men, and uh, they've been protesting the killing of children at abortuaries for years. Mm-hmm. His 12-year-old, I th- and I don't know if it was 12 then or 12 now. I think he was 12 then. Who was being harassed by a, uh, a pro-death person. Escort. I think es- he was an escort. Escort mm-hmm. coming out here. And, of course, Mark's been framed even on purportedly pro-life Fox News. He's been framed as the assaulted the assaulting person of a 72 year old man nothing could be worse he voluntarily uh said he'd surrender himself to the charges the uh, philadelphia office uh, would not take his voluntary surrender so they the fbi sent how many of it 25 a swat team of 25 men to their house guns at sunrise well, the children, because he's got how many kids? Twelve kids? Mm-hmm. Eight kids? They're coming after you, folks, if you if you believe in mm-hmm. in uh, God, if you stand for. And that was the first one. And the way that caption says that he assaulted a 72-year-old man. No, the 72-year-old man was verbally assaulting his 12-year-old son. And he told him multiple times, you cannot talk to my son, do not talk to my son, Back away from my son, and the guy got right in the son's face, and so the dad pushed him back. Pretty crazy stuff. And yet that's how it reads. And he's not the only one. There's there's more headlines. I haven't read all of them because it seems like there's so many of pro-lifers being arrested. And pro-life nonprofit organizations are being canceled. Mm-hmm. Yes, from they're being debanked. They're being canceled. They're being uh, their credit cards are being frozen. Mm-hmm. J.P. Morgan Chase shut down the um, National Committee for Religious Freedom. Sure, shut them down. Um, and then they said, "Well, we'll reopen your account if you give us your donor list and what political candidates they vote for." <laughs> I don't think so. Since when? Since when? So it's the erosion of the Bill of Rights, and I I think Mm -hmm. this is very important that, you know, they've done a successful job of dumbing down the electorate for generations now, but it is ever so important to remember that the one document in the world that protects all of the world resides here in the United States, because without the United States Constitution and its companion Bill of Rights, which are the the citizens of the United States limiting the power of government. That's what the Bill of Rights are. It isn't that the government is extending rights to the people. It is the people stating these are our rights 
and the government shall not infringe upon these rights. That's right. That's been lost in successive generations of being being dumbed down. Mm-hmm. The right to assembly, freedom of speech, freedom of religion, the the right to bear and keep arms. Mm-hmm. Um, folks, firearms aren't so that you can go out in November and hunt Bambi. Right. It is to protect you from right? oppression and tyranny. Like these SWAT teams that come to a pro-lifer's house. And why do you need to take an unarmed man from his family while his children are eating Cheerios at breakfast with 25 armed FBI agents and SWAT teams? It's a good question. It's a good question. Smells like overreach to me, especially after he voluntarily said he would surrender himself Mm -hmm. to authorities. Mm Mm-hmm. For really unfound charges. Yeah, and they are they are coming after the pro-lifers. And there was that instance, and then there was another instance that happened in Tennessee. Eleven pro-life activists were arrested this month, October of 2022, for holding a prayer vigil and singing hymns at the door of the abortuary in Mount Juliet, Tennessee, and one of those people was a survivor, an 87-year-old survivor of a concentration camp. Of the Holocaust. From the Holocaust. So he saw it in his youth, and now he's seeing it in his uh, advanced age. Isn't that something? So, yeah, they have no compassion. You're 87 years old. You survived the concentration camp. Oh, but you're singing a hymn. Outside of this uh, abortion place, you got to be arrested. So it's important to understand that this isn't about left or right. It's not about uh, right or wrong. This is about good and evil. Mm-hmm. This is about good and evil. Mm-hmm. Without a doubt. It's not a political discussion. It's a moral issue. And um, and they're also coming after the pro-lifers' um, Again, this month, Pro-Life Month, CVS. Well, I don't think we have any CVS drugstores around so here, talking, do we? Yeah. Like a Walgreens. A they're, they're one of the top chains, Walgreens, CVS, probably uh, one and two in the country. Mm-hmm. What well, are they doing? A pro-life Catholic nurse practitioner in Virginia is suing CVS after she was fired for refusing to prescribe abortion-inducing drugs. Mm-hmm. Now, she's worked there for four years, and when she was hired, she requested and received a religious exemption from CVS from prescribing contraceptives or dispensing abortion-inducing drugs. So this is the pinch of incense mm-hmm. to three, the emperor? Three and a half years, no problem, no problem. But in August of 21... CVS told her they were no longer going to accommodate employees with religious convictions against those drugs. And a few months later, she was fired. Um, so, you know, if you're, a, if you're a pro-life nurse, pro-life doctor. So what are you going to do? What are you going to do? I think, I think what she's doing is right. I think you got to sue them. I think you have to fight back. But, I'm, I mean, that, what... Zip code is that in? Where where did you was that Tennessee? It, no, this one was Virginia. Virginia. 
and see. Oh, the county of Prince William. I think that's pretty close to D.C. Mm-hmm. So that's where it happened. Now, the mobile app takes us all over to these zip codes here, but the terrestrial signal, more so in, in three states. What are you going to do when it comes to um, 52001? It's a good question. Because there's a lot of pro-lifers in Dubuque. Well, there's a lot of healthcare professionals. Mm-hmm. What goes through people's minds are, I've got a family. I can't mm-hmm. afford to be laid off, fired. I don't mm-hmm. want. I don't want my name. What about the publicity? A lot of people just don't want to be talked about. A lot of people don't want their picture and their families known to be in here. Just going to quietly take that pinch of incense and throw it on the fire to the mm-hmm. emperor mm-hmm. called Satan. Mm-hmm. Say that out loud. Mm-hmm. You know, there is uh, Dr. Ann Lucas. I don't know if you're familiar with her. She lives in Platteville. Um, she spoke at the Martha Mary Conference quite a few years ago over the lunch period. But she talked about how she kind of had a, a come-to-Jesus moment where she realized she could not prescribe contraception anymore. And, um, of course, her partners in the practice were having a cow. Like, you got to do that, Right. And she made an agreement with them, I'm going to try this for six months, and let's just see how it goes. And it didn't hurt her practice at all. Mm -hmm. Um, Women that wanted her to prescribe the pill for them, and she wouldn't, they just went to her partner. Went somewhere else. And people that wanted a pro-life doctor would go to her. She's doing perfectly fine, and all of her partners are fine with her position on that. She's in Platteville. Um, Dr. Pranger in Waterloo, same deal. There are a couple courageous healthcare workers that have said, I'm not doing that. Violates my conscience. But where are we in terms of supporting these brave hearts? Well. I mean, what would we do if if this physician, OBGYN, is she? But others. Mm-hmm. I mean, what are we as the pro-life choir, crowd, gallery? What, what do we? How do we support these people? Well, I think the first thing we do is we have to even find out about them. Sure. And the Right to Life office, I'm sure, has um, information on local doctors who are devout Catholics and are not going to um, do those Im- Im- immoral, unethical things. So you can always call Dubuque County Right to Life at 563-556-5960 and ask them on local doctors and I know when I used to work there people would call all the time hey I need a doctor you know who's who's an ethical doctor who will who can I trust to not um, uh, direct me to do immoral things but ratchet it up a notch let's say somebody does that a physician does that stands by their conviction and they get canned mm-hmm. what are we going to do for them I just took you off script. I know that, but yeah, I, I mean, I mean, what's right to life got to do with it here? I mean, you know, what, I'm not saying the organization scale to that that extent, but no. But I think it's like we've talked about other things. We've talked about businesses that we want to support and patronize because they're doing the right thing. Right. So I think if doctors are in that situation, I think we get the word out. We know a lot of people. There's the station, the show. We get the word out about so-and-so's on their own. I don't know how that works with insurance. 
I don't know how it works either, but it's it's not just related to physicians. It could be a pharmacist, yeah. could be a drugstore, could be a priest, mm-hmm. could be a pastor, mm-hmm. could be a, a visiting nurse. I don't know who it could be. could be any number mm-hmm. of God-fearing men and women who have a conscience, mm-hmm. a properly formed conscience. i got to say properly formed conscience. I had a great conversation with someone who said, well, your conscience is different than mine. Oh, my. Yeah. Didn't end well. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> you can't have two consciences that arrive at different conclusions and both consciences be properly formed. No, you can't. You can't. But I wish I, I wish there would be some sort of alternative group that people could go to that want to support them. And I don't know how you start that. Group, medical group? or Like a group of, well, the, whether it's a group of physicians or nurses or whatever kind of pharmacists, whatever kind of, you know, healthcare people they are, they could band together. That would be wonderful. Mm-hmm. And then if people would support them, that would be wonderful. Right. But, you know, you almost kind of, well, I shouldn't even say it. You know, Mercy Hospital is a Catholic hospital, isn't it? I've heard. That would be a place right there. Mercy Hospital should say, we're not doing we're not doing that. Don't know what their public policy is. I don't either. But well taken. I mean, at some level, the Catholic hospital should step up. Although another story right here that we've got about Catholic institutions, professor at Notre Dame University. Oh, no. Yeah. <clears throat> She's upset about the Roe v. Wade ruling. So she is offering to help students at Notre Dame who want to have an abortion. She's going to help them. And she calls those who disagree with her, this is a quote, white nationalist Catholic hate groups. I think she hit every category in there, didn't she? What happened to higher education? <laughs> right? Yeah. So. Here, here's a line. Notre Dame, uh, you know, the number one thing that people think of is football. Mm-hmm. America's America's team. And they've they've had tough time of it in this year. And even in even recent years they've had some decent records, but when they get to the cream of the crop in terms of competition, they they haven't been able to pull off. I when's their last national championship? Probably in the 70s when Dubuque or Ted Bergmeier was over there. God rest his soul. Mm-hmm. Don't so it's been, it's been a long time drought. And one of the guys popped up and said, Notre Dame won't have a national championship in football until they become Catholic. Ooh. Ooh. So he's kind of linking failure on the football field with uh, failure in the moral arena. Somebody said Notre Dame translates as Our Lady. Oh, no. That's true. French. <laughs> French for Our Lady. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. And then and then we can't even really, I hate to say, we can't even really look to the Vatican because I see that Pope Francis has appointed to the Pontifical Academy for Life a pro-abortion, an abortion activist mm-hmm. and an atheist. So I don't even know what to think about that. The advantage to that would be? I saw the headline. What, is there details? Name, no, address, you, phone number? You can see this is like a three-sentence story. Her name is Mariana Mazzucato. She's an atheist. 
member of the World Economic Forum. She's one of the forces behind the UN Sustainable Development Goals. Um, she promotes abortion, contraception, sexual indoctrination, and homosexuality. And Francis just appointed her to the Pontifical Academy for Life. Wow. So I don't, I, I don't, I don't know how Catholics at a lower level like us here in Dubuque are supposed to act when we see that's happening in Rome. So, with horror, perhaps. With horror, yeah. So, but lot, so a lot of pro-life news in this month of October, and that uh, lunch is coming up. So, if you haven't gotten your tickets, there's still time. I bet ya to listen to the pro-life awareness speaker on Thursday, October 27th at the Country Club. Um, her name is... I've got a ticket, and I've got it in my calendar, and every time you uh, remind me of it, it's like I've heard it for the first time. So it's yep. one of those events. Well, she grew up in West... Um, she grew up in Orange County, California, and she's an ex-gang member, two-time teen mother who was faced with the decision to terminate her second... Um, child and she chose life and placed him for give adoption. us the date the time and the location on thursday october 27th from 11 30 a.m till one o'clock at the country club doors open at 11 30 lunch begins at noon registration is 20 dollars a person you can pay at the door but of course they want to have enough lunches ready so call the right to life office and let them know you can come 563-556-5960 you're in the chatterbox with Colleen and me, and we'll be back after these announcements. Well, we're back. We're in the studio, and you hear us live on FM 98.3 KCRD. We come in on... Um, Saturdays at 1 o'clock, mm -hmm. Sundays at 6 p.m., mm -hmm. and then an encore the following Friday at 1 o'clock. Mm -hmm. Don't know how we got those beautiful time slots. I don't either. You must know somebody. Evidently. So, 62 episodes, Colleen, can you believe it? Yeah, and if people can't get us on the radio, if they live too far away, we have the podcast. They live forever. The mobile app and the podcasts are uh, in the store, KCRD is the key word. Here's something, I think I sent you a copy of this email here, but there's a uh, company that has some of the great well-constructed and engineered radios of all kind. They've got a new Wi-Fi radio out. It's version 3, and um, we're going to get some of those here. I don't know when they're coming in. I saw that. I'm getting one. Before Christmas, I think. Mm -hmm. You need one up there. You're in a you Dead know, zone. You're 100 yards away from Highest the... point in Dubuque. you think we'd have a good signal, but we don't. So what this is, is if you've got a Wi-Fi connection, which most people have a router of some sort in their, uh, um, um, what is it, a router and a modem. Modem and a router. Where's Chris Polly when I need him? <laughs> uh, if you've got a Wi-Fi signal in your home or your office, these radios connect, and you can hear KCRD like you're right, right in the room. You here can with live us. in Los Angeles. But we got a couple of, of boxes. We got a couple of boxes coming in that. here. So I'm claiming one. But yeah, if they go to our app on um, the Play Store or what's it called an Apple Apple Store? The Apple Sauce. The Apple Sauce. You should see if you click on podcast, you you get our our app. 
download it, and then you click on podcasts. Holy cow, there are a ton of podcasts on here. Now, did you figure out how those got there? I thought Chris Polly put them on there. Well, he started, but then by way of listener requests, they said, Chris, we'd like to see this, and we'd like... So there are now scores of theirs, perhaps approaching 100 or more. Oh, my goodness. Podcasts. So there's Taylor Marshall, there's Timothy Gordon, there's Father Heilman, there's the uh, Rosaries. There's Father Spitzer's Universe, there's EWTN, World Over, the John F. Bankovic. Oh, wait, what's her name now? Williams. Williams. She married Miracle Hunter. Um, I mean, there's just so yeah. many on here. The uh, Hawaiian okay. motorcycle guy, Bear Wozniak. Yep, Bear Wozniak. Church Militant, Catholic Answers, Father Simon Says. The Chatter. The Chatter. <laughs> Who would have thought? So and anyway, Catherine Show. Sheen. Catherine Show is yes, on there. Quovat- the Quovatis. Quovatis is on. Father Larry Rich. Anyway, they need to download this app because you could you could play like um, roulette with this app. You could just spin it and just put your finger on something and stop it and, and listen it. and you'd love it. Go back to Catherine Show again. Yes. She did a series this summer on the theology of the body. Okay. Guess what the emails come in and over the weekend are about. You guys know anything about theology of the body? No way. So, got to put a plug in here for Catherine O'Brien, who does a whole lot of. Did you ever hear her prep for the show? Well, no, but I can tell she preps well. Ten she hours so, for every show. Oh my, that's way better than the ten minutes we do. She's smooth. She is smooth. Very good. Very good. All so her anyway, stuff makes sense. Theology of the Body with Catherine on the show, and she's got she's got fifty or sixty episodes mm-hmm. here mm-hmm. in the app, which is version two, and you can get it now. Back to those radios we were talking about. Mm-hmm. If you want a Wi-Fi radio, go to kcrd-fm.org. They're not in the store yet. That's how new this is. But send us an email if you're listening and you'd like to get on a list. They they should be shipped out of California here, I think. I can't wait. That's the best idea, Wi-Fi and a radio. Mm-hmm. That's the best idea. Yeah, so you can get AM, FM, but you can get... We'll have Chris Polly explain it. We'll have, to, we'll have to have a technology that. guy explain it. But what I like the idea of, instead of carrying your phone around... Mm-hmm. In the right? house, right? In the house, so that you can keep listening. You just have it there on your radio. Well, the phone's a big uh, connection to your Bluetooth and your auto, mm-hmm. which you can do now here. That was God's way of getting you in the automobile accident. I Colleen did. had to give up the uh, ghost on the 15-year-old Honda. I loved that car. I loved my 15-year-old Honda CRV because it was nice and analog. And now <laughs> I'm in a 2018, and the computer screen pops up before I even back out of my driveway. So you called me with Bill after dinner the other night? Mm-hmm. When I hung up, I laughed and told Saunders she sounds like a little girl with a new toy on Christmas. Well, now that we can talk on the phone through the car, everybody that was in the car was talking to you. Including Mama Bear. Including Mama's there, yeah. All right, what else do we got here? Well, dare I get into the realm of apparitions? I'm a big fan of private revelation. So I am not one really to follow apparitions much. I love Fatima. Sure. I'm all about Fatima. But there was an apparition in northern Spain, in Garabandal, in the 60s. Right. 
1961 to 1965. Conchita. There are four girls um, that Our Lady appeared to. But very few messages. Very few messages. Lots of extraordinary phenomenon, like walking backwards quickly over very rocky terrain. Right. Um, Like receiving communion from the hand of St. Michael, and no one could see anything until the host touched Conchita's tongue. Right. And then it appeared, um, people that were taking photos. But they didn't have very many messages. But the ones that they had, boy, they're pretty powerful. Now, I want to preface all this by saying that the these apparitions have never formally been approved by the church so i do want to say that however however they've the, not been condemned nor denied well and the investigator the medical expert for the diocesan investigation um retracted his previously negative opinion and acknowledged their authenticity um, and he did that with the approval of the bishop. So it's kind of in limbo, to use another Catholic term. Um, but what has really got me looking at the Garbandal apparitions in the early 60s is one of the messages that Conchita said Our Lady told her. And it goes like this. But this is, pay attention to this, because this almost is contemporary. It's very contemporary. Um, and so we all know in the early 60s, it was Vatican II Council, Second Vatican Council that was going on right. worldwide, right? So Our Lady told Conchita that the prophecies that she gave those girls, and we can talk about those in a minute, would come to pass at a time when an important synod was being held in the church. Now, when Conchita told this to her aunt in 1962, her aunt said, do you refer to a council? Thinking Vatican II council was just starting at this time. But Conchita said, no, the Virgin didn't say council. She said synod. And then Conchita said, I think synod is a small council. Okay, these are pretty much uneducated girls in northern Spain in the rural areas. Um, and no one and had ever heard of a synod no, at all. In, in any context, in, in any, any context, zip code, in, in any, any country. Zip, in the early 60s. And so this 12-year-old girl is talking about synod, and then she defines what it is as a small council. And it wasn't until three years later that Paul VI established the first synod of bishops. Mm-hmm. That was the first time that word had been used um, in the church like that. Um, but Conchita was told by Our Lady, that the synod in question would be an important one. Um, and, I mean, now we're looking at the synod on synodality. That's pretty important, right? In fact, it's so important that yesterday, Francis extended that synod on synodality a whole year. It's supposed to end next October, 2023. In 2023. Mm, now he extended it a year. It won't end until October of 2024. But isn't that curious? I think that's curious. Well, we're not bound to believe or observe in private revelation. However, it is foolish to ignore them. That's right. That's right. Public revelation ended with the death of the last apostle, Saint which John. was John. St. Yeah. John. Public revelation ended at that point. But private revelation, I mean, we spoke earlier of uh, St. Margaret Mary Alacoque. Sure. That was a private revelation from Christ about devotion to the Sacred Heart. 
So private devotion has happened throughout the church in these past 2,000 years. Um, and, and it relies on the local bishop to either authenticate it or to say, no, that's not worthy of belief. And in this situation, it seems like it's a little of both. Mm-hmm. It's not been approved, but um, it looks like there's one foot in that camp. But curious about the timing of it, curious about the word synod, when at that time no one had heard the word synod, and curious that Conchita, who was 12 at the time, is supposed to announce these things that are happening and she's 72. So if she's supposed to announce them, that means they're going to happen in her lifetime. Now, I oh, want to... Slow be- down, slow down here. You you understand it, but I think you're bearing the headline here. She's supposed to announce what? So she is supposed to announce these things that Our Lady has said are going to happen after this synod happens, right? So doesn't say in her lifetime, but if she's dead, she can't make the announcement. That's right. So that's right. And she's 72. She's 72. So one of the things that Our Lady said would happen is called the warning. And honestly, I hope this is true. Because the warning is when every person in the world will see the state of their soul as it is before God. So it is a immediate judgment before their immediate judgment Mm -hmm. yep and people kind of get caught up in well what if people are flying in a plane or driving a car they'll be in it no it's almost like time will be suspended like everything will just stop and maybe only for 15 seconds i don't know how long but the idea is every person in the world will see the state of their soul as it is right now before god that's a great mercy. What's well, a great mercy, and it, it dovetails into what you talked about in the first segment with regard to confession and the examination of conscience. Can you imagine examining your conscience with the grace of the Most Blessed Trinity examining it for you? I mean, don't you want to know if there's stain on your soul? Don't you want to know so you can get rid of it before your final judgment? Mm-hmm. It's a great act of mercy of our Lord because we've talked about, you know, many times people don't think they sin. You know, what Carl Menninger wrote a book in the 70s, Whatever Became a Sin, because it's been a long time since people have talked about sin. But, but the, you know, to see the state of your soul as it is before God will be a great mercy because it's not our final judgment. We will have a chance to confess and to get things right with God. You know, I think Catherine speaks about this in one of her episodes earlier this year. Pray to God to, for the grace to see your soul as, as he sees your soul. And she says, yeah, it'll cause you to go to confession. She just brushed right over top of that, but she hit it. She hit it. And every time I hear that on the radio, I cringe. I'm like, I don't think I want to see the state of my soul like God sees it. Right? So that's one of the messages from Garibandal is the warning um, that people will see the state of their soul. And and shortly after that happens, according to the messages of Garibandal, then a miracle will happen and it will happen at Garibandal. And it will be, you'll be able to photograph it, see it, videotape it. And people don't say really what that is. Is it going to be a cross that's lit up at night? Who knows? Who Who knows knows what it's going to be? But 
But it's see, see, this is this is what gets me. We got about four or five minutes left before we get bumped here, Colleen. But isn't this important that in today's age, one, there is no sin; two, there's no need for confession; three, if there is any sin at all, it is some social justice sin. You know, right. we've we've polluted the atmosphere. We don't recycle. We, yeah, we don't recycle or or whatever here, and we've forgotten that sin first and foremost is a transgression against God. Mm -hmm. It is not a right relationship. Religion is a subset of justice. Justice is giving to the person that is which due to them. The person that is Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, Holy Spirit, those three persons of the Blessed Trinity in justice are due our reverence, our worship, mm-hmm. religion is a subset of, of justice. Of justice, yep, it is. And these are the great sins, idolatry, blasphemy, and the profanation of holy days and holy things. Right. If you get those three things right, you're probably going to get the plastic bottles floating in the ocean and the whale channels correct. Mm-hmm. The Iowa uh, farm land and water runoff and pollution and all of that. You're going to get that right mm-hmm. if you first get mm-hmm. idolatry, blasphemy, and profanation of holy days and holy things. That's right. That's right. And in fact, you know, you said it earlier, people don't go to confession because they say, well, I haven't killed anybody, right? Everybody says that one. But how about you start with number one? Oh, well, do you love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength? Because that's the first commandment. How are you doing on that one? Right? Have you ever taken the name of the Lord in vain? I mean, you can go down the list, but people always well, go, to, I haven't killed anybody. I think it's in our, um, our, our prayer. Philip says, Lord, teach us how to pray. And he gives us the Our Father. But the, mm-hmm. and, and a lot of these are viewed to be petitions. But thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven is not a petition so much as it is a declarative statement. The Lord's kingdom is coming and his will will be done. If it isn't already being done, it's, it's not as if we're trying to talk him into it. He will do his will here on earth. The real question here, and that's the greatest sin. That's the sin of idolatry. That's the sin of blasphemy and the profanation of holy days more so think of this murder is a lesser sin than having false gods profaning the name of of the blessed trinity and profaning holy days and holy things these are the sins of our day you're exactly right but i bet people just looked at the radio to said and said did he just say murder is a lesser sin that's exactly what I said. And why is it a lesser sin? Because it is a sin against our brother, the sins against our Creator, the Most Blessed Trinity, are infinitely greater mm-hmm. than yeah. the sins against Mother Earth and the Old Man Mississippi. Yay? That's right. That's right. Well, if if you want a second opinion, ask ask me me again. again. (laughs) I know you're going to say that. 
Well, and we're going to wrap up here because we're at 18 minutes. But the final thing that I want to say about Garibandal is the visionaries back in the 60s stated that these things were going to occur when churches would be closed. Whoa. Yeah, we haven't seen that in the past two years, have we? Whoa. Anyway, I'm just throwing that out there. Just throwing that out there. Well, we've used up 60 minutes here, Colleen. Episode 62 comes to a wrap here. We're going to be back. I want to clue everybody, middle of November, the Miller Singers are coming back. Good. Good. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Glory Glory be be to to the the Father, Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was was in the beginning, beginning, is now, now, and ever shall be, be, world without end. Amen. Listen on KCRD and the KCRD mobile app. See you next week. We love you.